Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 153 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I have my friend Sarah Richmond with me. Hello, Sarah, and welcome. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And we... We are going to be talking about something. Well, Sarah is like super excited about this and I am too, because I have no idea what we're talking about. So I'm kind of excited to like, listen right along with you, but she apparently read this amazing book by Jackson McKenzie and, um, tell us about the book and why you're so excited about it. So not everything in the book was, um, new to me. Uh, but the way it was written, it's just, it was so gracious and transparent and inviting and honest, but there were some things in it that have been critical to like the growth process that I've been in over the last year. And they paired really well with things that like were already coming up continuously for me and, um, related to some of the stuff that I addressed in therapy. And I just, I'm absolutely sure that a lot of survivors deal with the same thing. So I really wanted to just sort of shout it from the mountaintops and you're right. letting me do that. Right. That's awesome. So what's the name of the book? It's called, um, whole again, healing your heart and rediscovering your true self after toxic relationships and emotional abuse. I love it. Oh my yeah, word. I love the title. Yeah. So it's funny because I actually, I had no intention of reading this book, no awareness of it, but one of my clients uh, just mention it to me. We have a bit of a similar story and she just said, Hey, read this book. Um, so I took her advice. And here we are talking about it on the flying free podcast. Yes. It's like are. a perfect, it's a perfect book for this podcast. So, it, yeah. um, so, so we don't have the author, but <laughs> we're not interviewing the author. We're just going to gab about ourselves. Sorry, Jackson. Actually, you're yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jackson. All right, Sarah, tell us what it, you, you told me that, um, it talks about, well, you were talking about the idea of being broken. Yeah. The problem with that. So tell us about that. So I know that that's a really common theme in Christ, Christendom or whatever. Um, and I think there's validity and necessity to realizing that we're not perfect, but I don't think that that's basically ever or barely ever a problem for someone who's been through what we've been through or who's sincere in their faith. Right. Yeah. It never was for me. I mean, honestly, more than anything, I struggled with feeling that I was not enough. And I didn't really, I never really pinned down that phrase in my heart until pretty recently. Like I am not enough, but that was a core belief I had based on a bunch of core wounds. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I remember talking recently about it with a friend and she sees things differently from me, which is absolutely fine. But I think she thought I was saying like, um, I was basing the whole idea of brokenness off of like the idea of being imperfect versus perfect. And that's not what I mean. Um, after I got out of my abusive relationship, I felt so broken and busted up. And this especially came up, not just as a matter of course, like in in surveying sort of the emotional landscape of my life, but as I tried to deepen relationships around me or start new ones, and especially as I started to date, like I just, I remember at one point, and I'm dating now, saying to the man I'm with, I just feel so effed up. Mm. And he's like, but you're not. And I remember going into therapy uh, several months back and saying something to that effect to the woman who was counseling me. And she just said, 
I don't ever want to hear you use that phrase again to describe yourself. Find another word. What are you? And I said, I'm discovering. I guess I'm discovering. And she said, broken people don't, uh, don't try to learn about themselves. They don't try to heal. Broken people are the ones who never, never do anything. Broken people are the people still caught up in what you were caught up in. Broken, you know, she just went on and on. And, and so one of the realizations I had through the book and through the influence of that therapist is just that we're not actually broken people in that there's nothing that was taken from us that isn't actually still there. That the, the things inherent to us, the valuable things, the things that we think were, were busted up, they're, they're still there. Now, it's true that there's layers over them and there's wounds that, that cover them up. But this idea that we're broken, I think, will get in the way of us esteeming ourselves and ever feeling like we can heal and engaging wholeheartedly with life and other people. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. And this, this goes along with, you know, things that I've learned and things that I even teach in the programs, as far as how you're framing Mm -hmm. your experience, if you frame it in such a way that like, that's a way of framing it. I'm Mm -hmm. broken. When you think that your brain just wants to shut down then. And it's a, and it basically wipes out all possibility because yes. you're, you're broken. So there's no possibility. Yeah. You know? And I think when you reframe it the way you're going to, I think the direction that you're going to go is it doesn't deny what happened to you, mm-hmm. but you re- reframe it in a way that actually opens up possibility opens up almost, um, like I like to think about my past experience as having been a huge, amazing setup, hmm. like a, like a springboard into my future. So if it wasn't there, it wouldn't have springboarded me in the way that it did to who I am to this day. It took everything, all of the bad things, just all they did was like shape and strengthen what was Mm -hmm. already there. That's kind of how I like to think of it. But so tell, tell us what do you have? I mean, is there anything more to say about the broken idea or Well, I think that we also believe, so there's legitimacy to the idea that what you just said, acknowledging it's not, it's not dismissing what was done to us. That's important. I think we need to to acknowledge that, but it's also not, it's, it's refusing to, to believe that what, what, what was taken from us and what was done to us has ruined us or, 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 and putting, putting those things in the rightful place. So one of the things she said to me as like a follow-up to that is she said, and it's funny because she pins me to the wall in the best way. But she said, he didn't get the best of you, you know? And I was just like, okay, but uh, why are you saying that? And of course, you know, she knew exactly why. <laughs> She's, she, and, and what do you mean? And she said, you know, time would have passed anyway. Um, and you, so, so he didn't take that from you. But in addition to that, he didn't take the best of you. The best of you is your capacity to love. And I think that um, what trauma does to us is it, it, and this sort of leads into the book is it leads us to create a protective self. And that's when we sort of separate mind, body, and soul. And we do that in an effort to like survive, but in an effort to like to, to prevent ourselves from having to deal with those core wounds. And that's why I think a lot of us, after we get out of, out of these traumatic relationships, we we're, we feel so numb and we're still so anxious. We're still depressed. Maybe we struggle with addictions. And even though maybe we're healing in a lot of different ways, if we don't address core wounds, then we sort of walk around and we feel broken because we're still like this, this onion with like all these layers on the outside and we're refusing to go to the deeper parts. And it's funny because even though like we embrace suffering, I know I did. I mean, for how many, how many years, like in your case, right? Like two and a half decades, right? 
we we still are averse to some of the really deep dis like uncomfortable sensations that relate to core wounds and for me one of mine that has come up again and again that I finally am really dealing with is I am not enough I don't know if you can relate yeah yeah well mine is similar to that I would phrase it as there's something fundamentally wrong with me mm. it just hurts to hear that sort of stuff yeah just to know that that's what we've yeah so um as I was reflecting on what the book talked about as far as like um, what wholeness really is. And it, it, how does he define it? He says human wholeness is often defined as the unity of mind, body, and spirit and emotional abuse, rejection, and trauma fracture this union become a false shame message that gets stored in our body that disconnects us from that sense of being unconditionally loved. So that's directly from the book. Mm. Um, and that. so that's something that it's really what it comes down to is there is a disconnection, but there isn't a destruction. Like there isn't some complete obliteration of it. And that's important to acknowledge because of what you just said earlier about, like if we believe that we're broken, that precludes us from ever really truly being whole or esteeming ourselves as valuable people who are worthy of, of anything good. Right, um, right. So um, what did I say before that? I lost my train of thought. Well, you were talking about how it, fractu it fractures, but it doesn't mean that it's like irreparable. Yeah. And so I thought I felt like you were going towards like how do you get those pieces back together again as far as like you unify the body yes. and the what exactly. were those three pieces again? The, your your body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. yeah. See, together we make one brain. I've said this so many times. It's so helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So I I've realized, especially uh because I decided to be brave and like allow myself to date again, that um there are ways in which I'd created stories in my head that revolved around that core wound, but that like sort of deflected from it. And there are ways in which I was sort of splitting off from, from reality when it was painful. And it's easy for us to, because we needed to like gather all this information related to like what happened to us, but never really get down to brass tacks about healing. So like we, we become consumed with information. Um, and then if we have like uncomfortable sensations, then we, um, we'll find a way to numb or to blame. And in my case, I could say, for example, like, um, I don't know if I really trust this guy and it's because I felt afraid. And I really, I felt afraid because I was waiting for everything to fall apart again. You know, I, what I experienced before was someone who acted like he was just devastatingly in love with me and then immediate rejection upon getting married. Um, mm. and so I was waiting for that and that gave me a semblance of control, but it also like, it was me sabotaging the relationship. And one of the things that she, the therapist pointed out to me was that, you know, when we're young and we experience horrible stuff like abuse, we try to make sense of it. And so we tell ourselves stories that usually revolve around those core wounds. And, and mine was just, I'm not enough. That's why my parents mistreat me. I'm not yeah. enough. The problem is with me. And we have to get to the point where we start making truth. And the truth is that I am enough. So it takes some distinct vulnerability to acknowledge that because then if you start acting like enough, if they reject you, you can't just go back to that sort of like pat answer of, see, uh, he rejected me because I'm not enough, you know, right. and I'll go back to sort of like the childlike response to that. And I feel like this is, this is sort of a, a critical part of like continuing the healing journey is recognizing that, um, we're responsible for dealing with those core wounds. And if we don't allow ourselves to really sit and experience all the ways in which our body is trying to manifest that trauma, 
then it's just going to keep coming up again and again. And I will say that for me, having this sort of stuff come up again and again, which it was my body trying to get my attention was so frustrating and so disheartening. And it led me back to like into that cycle of thinking like, I am never going to heal. Did you ever feel like that in your healing journey? Like I'm never going to heal. Um, yeah. I mean, I think when it was the darkest, I feel like, I feel like there's sort of a, a storyline that t- t- that women typically go through, uh-huh. typically typically go through, and it kind of it's like you keep going down, down, down into the pit, and then uh-huh. you think that you're at the bottom, and then it oh. drops out even further, <laughs> and then you think that surely must be the end, and then it drops out even further. That when you get to the bottom, that's when you or when you get to that place where you just think, okay, I guess it's never going to be better. Yeah, you get yeah. to that hopeless feeling where. Yeah. And, and, and it, but, but, but it does get better. It does, but it does. It, I just feel like it gets worse and worse and worse before it actually starts to get better. Yeah. And I've seen time and time again in my journey that the things that serve me in one season and the seasons seem to switch quick, much quicker than they used to. Maybe it's because I'm growing a lot. Don't serve me in the next season. So for example, anger helped me for a while. Yes. Um, yes. Because it, it esteemed me and my value and, and it legitimized right. what had actually been done wrong to me, but then it didn't help me after that, you know? And, um, and, and gathering data and information about like what I had been through helped. But then after a while that just becomes some, it can become like a compulsion, like to, to move into the story instead of going into like, okay, and what's my responsibility now? How can I help myself to heal? Yes. And I think that, um, I've seen in the past year, especially how it, it would be easy and the impulse is not there as often anymore, but like it's easy for me to just go back and do, well, I experienced this. So the way I feel is legitimate and justified and sure it is but is it moving me anywhere into a good future? Right. No. Like, is it helping right. me at all? Besides giving me some, some sort of avenue to make me feel like I have some power over this. And so I feel like even though I'm a person who really values vulnerability, going deep into the, I am not enough, uh, like root lie in my heart and wound. It's, it took some vulnerability within, you know, uh, that the therapy, but it's taking, so much more than I ever expected and really always want to give, honestly. I mean, it's, it's almost as if I'm placing myself back in that relationship, even though I'm not. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that I would have to be so, so brave and so honest. And I think that uh, every time we have something come up like a trigger, we have a choice to decide, am I going to, am I going to, sit with this or am I going to numb it out? You know, am I going to keep this protective self on forever? And then, you know, I never really get to live or am I going to move forward? Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I was just going to ask you, do you have, can you think of a specific example of like maybe a recent time that you were triggered where you sort of had to make that decision? Hmm. And it's kind of putting you on the spot, but yeah, no, I mean, I have a lot of those times. Um, so here's, here's an example. Let's say that my boyfriend brings up just a memory from the past. And I know maybe he was at this place that he's describing with his ex-wife. Um, Cause he's, he'd been married before too. Um, I could in that moment decide to, that that means that he's missing that time and that it was special to him because of that person that somehow I'm not important or there's some kind of like subtle put down in there, but he's not manipulative or unkind at all. And we all have a history. Like none of us get to the point where we're in our thirties, forties, and fifties, where we don't have a past, you know what right. I'm saying? Exactly. And if you meet, meet somebody then, then you're going to have a whole like half of a lifetime 
without them. And so, um, when that's happened recently, instead of going into like, and you know, my, my spirals weren't as deep as they were anymore anyways, but instead of like making that mean something negative, I just assign value to it as like, yeah, cause he was there and that's his past. And that's all it means. He's just remembering a story just like when I do, it doesn't yeah. mean I'm not enough, you know, or I, I, one of the things I've really struggled with is body image due to a lot of sexual rejection in my marriage. And so when, you know, I'm walking around and I start just sort of feeling crappy, uh, lately I just, I, I, I've been able to stop myself and, and instead of going deep into, yeah, well, you're, you're, you don't look like that. So you're just gross or you're getting older. So you're, you know, you're just not enough. I just am able to calmly say, no, it's okay. Like you're okay. And your body there's no comparison and you don't need to be compared to. And as it relates to like my boyfriend, he's with me because he wants to be with me. It's as simple as that. But I will say this, like what's been helpful to me in therapy the, lately has been somatic therapy, I guess you could say. And that's just allowing myself to like, personally, what's been helpful is allowing myself to just pay attention to the sensations in my body instead of passing them over or like refusing to acknowledge them. And a lot of times my body feels uncomfortable or hurts because I'm not, I haven't let stuff come up. Um, and so like this, the past time that I went to therapy, uh, one of the things she did was just had me sit with the, I'm not enough. And it was odd and weird, but it, um, it was also really profound because it was almost as if all the, all the physical action that I would have done if I was like if I was sitting in that grief seemed to come up, but without maybe all the tears. And I finally let my body, I finally listened to my body in that, in that, in those moments. And I think that one of the things we fail to take into account when we don't address core wounds is that we're making ourselves the enemy. Um, like we keep rejecting and suppressing all the things that our body is trying to tell us and all the things that our mind wants us to know. So whereas we think, I can't heal. Our body's trying to get us to heal. That's one of the reasons we're having so many issues. Yeah. I don't know if, if that, I mean, does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. It, this is one of the reasons why I think um, in survivor communities, even you see, there's a lot of empathy and just mm -hmm. like, let's listen to the, our stories and let's go there kind of. Mm -hmm. But, and it feels good in the moment, Yeah. but it, it doesn't actually solve anything long-term. Yeah. And, and so, um, when you talk about getting triggered, like that example that you gave with your boyfriend, mm -hmm. you had to, you had a knee jerk programmed response that came mm -hmm. right away. And that's the, I'm not worthy, or there's a reason why he's doing, why he brought this up and it has something to do with me. That's your knee-jerk programmed response. And then mm -hmm. you were able to notice it and then ch change it and say, no, we know now that this is what's true. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to reframe it and feel differently about it. And, and instead of misinterpreting it or making it mean something terrible about you, yeah. it becomes more just about, it's pr more healthy, I think, a more of a healthy response. Yeah. Okay, this guy has this experience and he's just sharing it with me. Like, this is actually a good thing that he feels yes. comfortable enough yeah. to share this with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell myself that, you know, in the past I've told myself, oh, I'm being careful. I'm just not being stupid, even though there are no red flags, there really aren't. But really what it comes down to is I've latched onto my story and 
I'm making everything about the story. Whereas like, that's the past and I am here now. <laughs> right. And I have to decide how I want to live. Right. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about like the somatic, how do you put the somatic aspect of everything going into your body and feeling mm -hmm. the things that and, along with the, the mind work. If you're a woman of faith in a confusing and painful marriage who feels like you're just a shadow of the woman you could be, I'd like to help you change that. Five years ago, I developed a comprehensive program that has helped hundreds of Christian women wake up to their reality and live powerfully within it as the adult women God created them to be. The Flying Free program uses transformational coaching, workshops, classes, and a close-knit community of women to support you on your journey. We will help you identify the problems and figure out what you can and can't do so that you can be empowered to move forward into the life you were meant to live. Imagine a deep dish apple pie with caramel, walnuts, and vanilla ice cream on top. Members have said that this podcast is a, like a little taste of the vanilla ice cream, but the Flying Free program is the whole delicious slice of pie in all its glory. You'll never know what you're missing until you can bite into the whole thing. You can get all the details, including reviews, facts, and everything that comes with the program by going to joinflyingfree.com. I'll see you on the inside. Yeah, sure. So um, I will say like, he, he, I don't think that he specifically calls out somatic therapy much in the book, but he it's really sweet. Just the vulnerability that he shows in the book, because he talks about all the different sensations he had come up and just how it was so much of a process for him to work through these things and realize these things, even though even before he wrote this book, he had written another book, you know, as an expert on the subject of psychological abuse, but he still wasn't, he wasn't healed. So he's coming as a person in the trenches, but he does talk about how listening to his body, like on his own, made a huge difference in realizing certain things, just about like how he needed the reference point, um, sort of the stout stake in his life of unconditional love. And we have unconditional love for ourselves when we're willing to embrace these sensations and thoughts and feelings and all the, all the things that come up instead of hating them and suppressing them. So in, in, in the therapy that I did specifically, and I think that every therapist probably picks something a little bit different based on, you know, what you've been through and, and what works for you. Um, once we get to the point where she felt I was comfortable enough after several sessions to just be quiet, we sat together, um, after I'd brought up sort of like, you know, what I realized had been coming up again and again, I am not enough. And she said, uh, you know, how do you feel? Where do you feel that in your body when you say that? And uh, I was like, I don't freaking know. <laughs> and, I mean, really it was, it was awkward and stilted a little bit. And so we just sat there and I decided, okay, I'm just going to say it out loud and then try to see how I feel. So I said, I'm not enough. And I sat there and she started noting observations she made of me. And she made it clear again and again, like, don't try to think into this. Because again, like for me personally, like I am an overthinker. And that was part of hypervigilance because of what I've been through since I was a child. And you cannot think your way out of these things. Like, you, I mean, in a lot of ways you can't. Because um, yeah. I can just argue in a real warped way all day long with myself. Yeah. So she said, don't, don't, you know, don't do that. Don't even try to think. Just let your try to pay attention to your body. And she realized that like my body, I was moving back and forth, not like my heartbeat, like just almost. And she's like, well, just move with your body. Where does your body want to move? And every time she talked about, um, I think being still and just being with my body, I kept swallowing and I didn't even notice. 
She's like, do you notice that? And I was like, yeah, okay. And she's like, try not to swallow. And as I did, as I sat there with just my mouth open, it felt like there was something that needed to come out. And I realized that every time that I've stifled my emotion and my pain and my grief in my life, I felt, and this is, I think, a normal like physical reaction, but you know, I just re- remembered it. My throat is hurt really, really bad. Yes. And I just could see again and again how so many times in my life when I've been in the most emotional pain, I, even though I'd say I'm a crier and I let things out, no, like I will not let the full measure of it come out. And I think yeah. that there's maybe wisdom to that and that I couldn't handle that right then but I never really let all that trauma out. I never really let that grief have full expression. And so, um, I could just, I just felt the connection to that. Like, and I've actually had times where I've been triggered and I wasn't like about to cry, but I felt a weird sensation in my throat. And it was, it was weird. It was like, there was a muffin in my throat or something. And so she said, just sit there, keep your mouth open and let it, let the sensation like, you know, come up. And so I just sat there. And as I did, I felt so so much emotion come up. Like I started weeping and I couldn't, I didn't even know why. And so I'll be honest, like with this, like there isn't going to be a lot of like figuring things out or kneeling things down or even clear thoughts. You're just letting your body talk to you. And as this, I mean, there's more to it, but really going back to something I mentioned earlier, as I sat there, I could just sense myself saying, and it was like my child self saying, finally, finally, you're listening. I've been trying to tell you for so long. Will you listen now? And I realized how, like in saying I'm not enough and believing I'm not enough over and over again, all I had done was make myself the enemy and how sad that made me and how, how the one safe place I've had for my entire life, I've rejected over and over just to make sense of my reality and then to protect myself. And I no longer want to do that. Mm -hmm. So it was a really beautiful, like it was, I was pretty exhausted by the end. It was almost like I had run several miles, but it was a really beautiful experience just to let my body speak for once. That is incredible. And you you know what's I I can relate to this. I can relate to that throat thing. Mm-hmm. I, I've been I've been trying to learn. I don't have a therapist right now, but I've been trying to learn to listen to my body more and mm-hmm. I ha- I did just notice that recently and I'm like, what is that? It feels it's like it hurts in my throat. My throat is hurting. Mm-hmm. Um and and I um when you just articulated that, I'm like, now next time it happens, I'm going to be aware of that. And I, I do stifle my emotions too, a lot. Yeah, sure. So it's really hard not to, but yeah, well, it's when I was growing up, if you expressed your emotions, you Mm -hmm. were like a really bad person. (laughs) That was like really bad to express your emotions was like, you were selfish. You were, um, trying to get attention Mm-hmm. You, you know, all of that. So it, and, or you were like histrionic or dramatic or, yeah. you know, there's yeah. something wrong with you because you had emotions. And so I've just, which I think too is, I'll, I mean, I hate to keep harping on this, but I do think that it is kind of a historically Christian yeah. sort of like, what's, what's sort of I'm looking for? Like it's a, it's a badge of honor or something. Mm-hmm. If you can be stoic and you can be, well, I'm just going to trust God no matter what. And I'm just going to, and there's no reason for me to make a fuss and I'm just going to be the strong one and I'm just going to suck it up. And that's like praised or, you know, the whole idea of dying to yourself or not mm-hmm. basically killing, basically killing yourself off it's, yeah. it's like this, some kind of Christian, um, 
God, what, are, what is the word I'm looking for? Propaganda? Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm going to have to edit this out because I can't think of the word. It's, um, I'm sorry. I can't help. I know. I know it. Anyway, I'm going to edit that this part out because it's <laughs> absolutely redonkulous. I mean, I think, I think the problem with that, not only is, is, you know, you could go back and say that stoicism isn't even actually biblical anyways. It was something from the first few centuries that they just added in. But it, it, I mean, again, it, it, it does what I did, which is make ourselves the enemy. You cannot hate one aspect of yourself, the physical and, and have wholeness. Like you cannot split those things apart and live well. Yeah. Right. I, I thought of the word too. What? It's virtue. It's Uh, like a virtue to kill yourself. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, even, even within the context of what we're talking about, just in general, like as again, if we deny and resist these things, that doesn't help at all. Like we're not just making ourselves the enemy. We're preventing ourselves from, from ever healing or having any. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're breaking ourselves in, into pieces on, on the inside. And well, no wonder we feel like we can't heal because we're preventing it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and here, here's the other thing too. If you think about it from the creator's perspective, mm-hmm. like God creates us, he makes us exactly the way he wants us to be. And he instills in us, you know, the personality that he gives us and the body that he gives us and the all we're hardwired. It's in our DNA and we've got this, he's got this thing. He's got, he's created this beautiful creation. And then he wants that creation to go and live to its fullness, the fullness of what we are created to be. Uh And then we are, and then we're told, no, you're not, you're not enough. No, you're too selfish. No, you need to die. You need to die to yourself. You need to be a living sacrifice. And yes, the Bible does use term terminology like that, but it doesn't mean what a lot of Christians, I think, think that it means. Yeah. And, and it, it's really, it's Satan's way of taking truth and twisting it to make it mean actually the opposite of what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. And, um, and that's how, he destroys us. I was just telling someone in the my program, the Bible says that Satan comes to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And he's destroying us. If he can destroy us and make us think that it's a virtue to actually self-destruct, like all the better. Yeah. Right. It doesn't even have to be, we can actually leave an abusive relationship or leave an abusive family or leave an abusive friendship and we can still continuous continue to destroy ourselves by yes. our belief by our beliefs. Yes. I, I definitely am like the poster child for that. And what's funny is as I've come out, it's funny but sad. As I've realized these things and come out of them and started to live and think differently, I've actually gotten pushed back from other people who believe that I'm I don't know, I guess becoming a heathen or something. And I'm just thinking, but do you understand that all of this is just, it's, it's been produced by the, the acknowledgement, the realization of how much harm those beliefs have done to me. And now I'm deciding to believe something different. Like I, it's, it wasn't like a, I, I want to go out and do bad things. It's me realizing these things are doing me actual harm. And right. here's, here's the revised version that is not, that's bringing life to me. You know, that's, that's the only impetus behind all of this. Right. So. I think throughout history too, you know, people who, I mean, Jesus was called the son of the devil. So that would be like the equivalent of us being called a heathen, 
right? You know, I think all throughout history, I think some of the most, you know, the people who are just really truly desire to be aligned with the heart of God, the love of God Mm -hmm. through Christ are often maligned and in the same way that Jesus was maligned because Mm -hmm. we're, because they are not stepping in line with the rules and regulations that, that enable them to be easily manipulatable by the powers that be. And so it's just kind of a common, I mean, I think that's a pattern that you see throughout history. So if you have anyone that's calling you a heathen because (laughs) of the, because you believe in being what God created you to be and healing and getting in touch with the body that God gave you and the mind that God gave you and the spirit that God gave you, then I would, I think that's a red flag about, I think that says something about them, not that they're a heathen, but it just says something about their beliefs. It just tells you, well, that's what they believe. They believe something different than I believe now. And I, you know, they they probably have their own healing to do. Yeah. Well, the irony is I'll sometimes look around and realize that some of the ways people are treating me now, I would have thought the same thing 10 plus years ago about me, you know? the outside just because if you haven't lived it it's hard to understand and right yeah so there's I mean I I try to be gracious instead of like I don't know getting angry (laughs) exactly well here here's how I how I look at it I think because I I have a lot of people that kind of dumped me and they probably think I'm a heathen too but I just think well you know what they're on their trajectory yeah. And God has them on their and whatever circles that they're spinning around in. And God mm-hmm. has me in my circle that I'm spinning around in. And I can't be focused on them anyways. My focus has to be on Jesus and my focus has to be on what he's putting in front of me mm-hmm. to do with my life, which which my whole life all I've ever really wanted to do was like change the world in some small way. Be some kind of positive influence, help people to experience God in a special way. And that's what I'm doing or what I hope that I am doing. You are. And so, and so if I, if I get distracted by people who are, well, you know how Brene Brown talks about, you know, being on the field, like the game field yeah, in the arena, right? Yeah. You're in the arena Mm -hmm. and, and I just feel like let's stay focused on the game at hand and mm-hmm. then of course there's going to be people that are in the stands that are going to be throwing tomatoes at you. Okay. So they throw a tomato at you. We, but you know what? We got a game to play. We don't have time to worry about the silly tomato. We got to play the game. That's what's important. That's what we have to yeah. stay focused on. Yeah. I guess so, I would probably just end by saying that if anybody's out there and they're out of like they definitely could say that, that they're out of like unhealthy or unsafe situations and they still feel like they're like, how am I ever going to heal? They still feel really numb and unfulfilled. And just, there's like this deep soul loneliness. I don't think that that's uh, a static state for you for good. And when it comes down to it, like if you're living out a protective self, like I have been like Natalie, I'm sure has like so many of us have, there really is healing. And this book for me was helpful in recognizing just a deeper level of that. And somatic therapy help too, but I just wanted to encourage everybody that our bodies aren't just made to heal physically. They're made to heal emotionally and there's wisdom in them. If, as you said, Natalie, we're made in the image of God, then there are marvelous, incredible, mind-blowingly great things within us that give us 
the capacity and, and the, and the wisdom to, to lead us into healing. And I would say a big part of that probably is just listening to our bodies and, um, and really truly going deep into the acknowledgement of what they need to grieve or release or let go. And once we do that good work, our lives change. Cause I have not found deep healing and striving and in being some kind of perfect person or checking all these boxes. I found it in just allowing it to come as it does and seeking it out in gentle ways and just loving myself and putting myself in situations where people can love me. So. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to piggyback off of that and just say that it, um, cause I can, I can hear, I, I can hear the voices of Christian people in my brain, but we tend to think, oh, there's this end goal and we have to reach the end goal, but <laughs> healing is not, there is no end goal to healing other than that. It's just a journey. It's a process and we'll be doing it for our whole life. So never think, oh, I just have so much further to go. Just, I always try to think, I kind of use this phrase. I'm, 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 I'm healing and I'm also kind of a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in fact, just the other day I was, my daughter told me something that involved my ex-husband and, um, she, I, and I got triggered and yeah. I started, you know, I reacted a little bit and, and then I said, okay, I said, this is my, this is my unhealed wounded child. That's mm -hmm. reacting right now. I just want you to know that this is, yeah. and I'm just like, and I'm just crawling out of my skin because this little girl inside of me is is like freaking out inside of me. Right. And, but it helps to be able to recognize that and to feel yeah. it, to be able to say, okay, my wounded child inside is just, she's like, you know, scratching on my innards. And I want you to know daughter that that's what's happening right now. And I'm aware of it. And, and my daughter was able to hold space for that because she's amazing, but, um, and she was able to be okay with that. Um, yeah. not that, you know, not that I, I don't, but if I'm shaming myself for that and going, come on, Natalie, you should be, come on, Natalie, you're a coach. You should get your act together. You shouldn't be falling apart in front of your daughter. <laughs> this is a stupid, silly little situation. It's not oh. even that big of a deal. I, we, if we do that, that just makes all that does is stuffs it down, mm -hmm. makes us feel shame. It makes that little girl, like you said, the little girl's trying to, you know, like, why can't you just listen to me? It makes her just crawl back into her corner and go, see, nobody cares about me. Nobody wants to listen to me. Yeah. So it doesn't help. So anyway, I just, for what that's worth. Yeah. That's a great um, example. Well, I'm really glad that you brought this book to our attention. It sounds yeah. like a great book. It's called, so for those of you who are listening and you want to go get the book, it's called whole again, healing your heart and rediscovering your true self after toxic relationships and emotional abuse by Jackson Mackenzie. Mm -hmm. And, um, you're welcome Jackson for promoting your book. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, he has no idea who we are. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, of course we have no idea who he is actually. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So I think that's a wrap for this session, but those of you who are listening, thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, I want to, I haven't said this for the last couple of times, but I want to just encourage you to go and leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes. If you yes. haven't done that already, because, um, that really helps to get our 
podcast in front of the eyeballs of more people who are just like you. There are algorithms out there, you guys. <laughs> so when you listen and you download an episode or you like an episode or you subscribe to a podcast or you leave a rating and review, which is like the, the biggest way of giving it lots of juice, you're actually helping to promote this podcast. So if you like it, why not promote it? You can be totally anonymous. You don't have to give your your real name or anything to give you. People come up with all kinds of interesting names there in the reviews. So just throw a name in there and give your rating and review and then give this podcast, totally give it some juice, you guys. And then more women will be able to find it because um, I think it's been helping a lot of women and I like it to help even more. All right. Yes. All right. Thanks for being with us, Sarah. And thanks for listening, you guys who are listening. And until next time, fly free.